Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast, and the final episode of our Princess Tutu watch along, aka the time when tears happen. My name is Vry Kaiser. I'm an editor and contributor for Anime Feminist. You can find stuff I do by checking my pinned tweet at uh, on Twitter at writer Vry, or you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And with me uh, to finish out this journey is uh, still Chiaki and Miranda. Thank you so much for coming along on this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, so I'm Marina Sanchez. I'm a senior editor at IGN. I help run our, our anime coverage in addition to covering games and everything else. And then you can find me at Havoc Gross, and that's Havoc with a K, pretty much anywhere. Hey. Cool. And I'm Chiaki Hirai. Uh, I'm an editor with Anime Feminist. And aside from working on the website, I am a beat reporter for a Japanese-American newspaper in San Francisco. You can find me at at chiaki c-h-i-a-k-i at uh, 747 uh and it's a permanently locked account but feel free to add me get your good meme takes yep <laughs> oh, i just want to jump in i'm so <laughs> do it do it do it yeah okay i am <laughs> all right brian I, I messaged you like immediately after i finished it um uh-huh. which is <laughs> like, actually like yeah <laughs> like we, do- we got done recording the last um show and then i i got busy that night so i ended up not finishing it then um so the week kind of rolled around i watched one episode uh episode 21 and then i was like okay cool and i was like hmm, i want to watch some more of course it was at like 12 30 i was like yeah i'm gonna watch another episode <laughs> and then i was just like oh no i'm crying also i'm gonna watch the rest of the series at you know 12 30 at night perfectly respectable <laughs> um was exhausted going to work on tuesday and then i messaged oh, no. you immediately because i was just like i have to say something because these <laughs> this final stretch of episodes are just so so good and i'm just so happy for all of them yeah <laughs> yeah i can confirm time number four tears still shed it's about the same place every time like too like a, a cry when when rue when Rue confesses her love, and then I cry again when 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 Duck and Fakir do a pas de deux, and then I cry when Duck dances her heart out, and then I cry all the way to the end. Yeah. Get really dehydrated. It was a very Jackie, touch- how you doing? It was your, a- your watch threads are good. Yes. Yes. It was a very touching, touching last six episodes. Like once I started, I couldn't stop. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. Didn't cry. It'll, That's okay. Need, it, you'll need to do better. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, but it was hearts. touching. But it was touching. It's it's okay. Like, I feel like my standard is not a standard to which the average person should be held because my brain is a broken mess of chemical uh, insufficiencies. So the things I cry at are perhaps not what everyone cries at. But it, it is my favorite thing on earth when a when a happy story sincerely gets me to cry it, it, it's, it's my favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> but i was but impressed I, I'm glad. I was impressed Yay. yeah this show is definitely the one that remi- every time i get fussy about two core shows when the first six episodes aren't immediately grabbing me with the deep feels all the time i i always remember this show as a mm-hmm. reason to give them a little more patience yeah, they gotta build up to it. Can't give it uh-huh. all halfway through or else it's too too much to get through. 
It's it's so much. You got to earn all of them feelings. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Um so I guess we should start with the uh kind of Where's the word I was going for? The predictions that uh, you two had from last time. How are you feeling about Library Kun now, Jackie? Man, <laughs> I thought he was kind of an asshole. I was like, I was hoping he would be a little bit more, I don't know, dorky. But actually, mm. I guess he is kind of a dork. He's like the ultimate Dosselmeyer fanboy. Yep. He's yep. so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I, I I I do kind of feel for Autor a little bit because he's 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 like the dude who like who did all of the hard work but can't do the thing because he's not the special from birth. Like mm-hmm. I feel for that a little bit. Yeah, but standing for three days straight to prove your stamina is um that's a little special. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's also a dick because I feel like he's turned that you know he. Fakir sort of was able to turn from this thing he wasn't meant to do as a physical fighter and and find another role that was more fulfilling for him, whereas Autor kind of took this thing he wasn't able to do and became a shitty gatekeeper about it because he was mad he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Wow, I know people like that, unfortunately. Uh-huh. I think that's, yeah, I feel like, that's like I feel the like... thing that gets me. It's like, I've seen you on Twitter. Oh, uh-huh. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, like, I haven't read a bunch of fanfic for this fandom. Um, in general, I don't like to go into fandoms where the characters are mostly teenagers because I don't want to have to sidestep the porn. Yeah. Um, but there is a pretty good one where where Fakir and Atur end up together because they're both deeply traumatized and the only ones who remember what's going on. Aww. That was pretty good, and I think that made me a little bit softer on the character. Good fan work is good. But also, yeah, he's a shit. Like he, I mean... He kind of comes around by the end, but I think it's only out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, being the only sane person left in town, aside from Fakir, I guess, is like, yeah, sure. You gotta feel for him. But at the same time, he recreated Drosselmeyer's uh, study, like, book for book. That's kind of it's kind of much. I the scene where Drosselmeyer pops in to uh Autor's study for a minute and <laughs> is one of my favorite scenes in the show. Um I mean partly because he he immediately destroys this in, this entire fanboy work with oh this this looks a lot like what I had most of it are fakes of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's beautiful. I also I also have a lot of feelings about that scene because it's I don't know I feel like it's the anime equivalent of the hashtag discourse that you see on Twitter a lot of you know what's the responsibility of an artist who's getting their feels out versus a res- uh, an artist's responsibility to not hurt the people who might consume it and I feel like that's just the conversation that Fakir and Drosselmeyer have yeah this it makes gives me feelings I. I love what this show has to say about writing. Like, as a writer, it, it makes me feel very indulged. But I want to hold off on that a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I feel like um, Autor, Autor is such a plot device. Like, he's there to, to guide Fakir to what he needs to do. And he's there to make Rue feel a little bit appreciated. Which <laughs> she needs. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, Rue. 
I'm just gonna get high pitched because it just makes me oh, so sad. She's a good girl. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about Rue very much because like, she's this many times through the show. I feel like if I wanted to step really, really, really far back, I would say that Rue's story gets the sh I don't think it breaks, but I think it gets the shakiest when you start to abstract it in terms of metaphor of being a metaphor about abuse because of, you know, Muto turning into a crow and what she she thinks that she's done this to him and she kind of except she kind of literally did, but only yeah. under her father's mm -hmm. orders, but also so but but then in fact her love does bring him around. Did her love fix him? But also, I can't get mad at it at all because it's a. It's I, I think it does a better job than most shows about like a stalwart young woman standing by a boyfriend who's kind of a dick because of plot reasons. Uh, in terms of like showing that she's scared and miserable about this and and put pulling them apart when the story decides to do that. And also, I, I think she's such a nice case of wish fulfillment, I feel like, for kids who have had abusive parents and have been told that they're worthless. Mm -hmm. And she gets to be the pretty princess, though. Yeah, she gets a gorgeous dress. She gets to be happy and in love. And I, I do like that at the end they do acknowledge that you've had raven's blood in you for so long. Like, can you trust me? And it's like, yeah, I choose to. And, like, obviously there's there's trauma there and, like, it may come back up, but that's okay because you can work through it. And I think that's also such a good message. It's like you mm -hmm. can still be the princess even though you've had some hard times. Like, that's that's okay. It doesn't change that you're still you. And I think it's really nice that, like, Muto, like, with her because he's just as much kind of gone through that kind of trauma, I guess. Given that, you know, Raven's blood... Um, running through his heart as well like it it lets them like be two a, a couple that really understands each other i feel right mm -hmm. and there was that scene when he was talking to duck about like why he needed to go save her and he's saying like how you know despite everything that she's been through she still chooses to love in her own way and still tries to hold on to that despite all these things that are pushing her away from it or to selfishly um desire something that's a little bit more hurtful and that she never had anyone to talk to and that you know she's just doing her best and he wants to go help her because she deserves it she deserves yeah. to be loved i think rue's character becomes the strongest on rewatch yeah like you said because like muto gets poisoned with raven's blood and becomes a horrible crow monster who's a total dick to everyone and rue has had has has had this blood or this you know coated uh metaphor trauma with her since she was an infant and still makes friends with duck and is able to to find joy in things and tries so hard she's such a she's such a resilient character and i love her so much yeah and, and you even see that a little bit when she's like in the first half is crazy she's like who am i like why am i doing this like this is dumb and like she's constantly fighting that within herself with like crazy and rue and, like, seeing that come full circle at the end of, like, just finding out why that all happened just means so, so much. And I'm I'm really glad she got to be this great dynamic character who, 
like she was rude like that that is part of her and like she suppressed that whole crazy side the raven side as long as she could so that she could just be happy and you know have friends and have a life and then when it came time to to face it like she wasn't alone in that and i think that's that's good too (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really nice and what else was i going to say about that my thought flew away (laughs) oh well um mm, oh well if it's important it will come back (laughs) um but yeah she's she's very good oh that's what i was going to say um I feel like her story is also an interesting reversal of something that happens a lot in, you know, European fantasy where the true heir of the noble kingdom is sent away at birth, but always, and, and, you know, has cruel parentage, but always knows they're special. Whereas like Rue has been, is ostensibly told she's special and evil. And really she's just quote unquote normal and unspecial. You know, she's just like Mm -hmm. any other girl, but, but she still deserves to be happy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's a really nice little flourish. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. observation. The thing I always wind up wishing about the, that this series had done that I don't think is a failing of it, but I I think I, I wish that it had pushed a little further is that because these characters are all, you know, about 13, there's so much with the fairy tales and like taught gender roles about these characters, all four of the leads express these really strong attachments and, and this amount of caring for one another and sort of express it in these very gendered ways about princes and marriage and like you're 13 though you're 13 why are you doing this yeah. um, and i wish it had pushed it, it, it had taken the space to push a little more about like what does the story being told mean that i have to say call this important feeling that i have about this person this but this important feeling that i have about this other person this like it's it's very much there i i continue to love that fakir and duck essentially come together over how much they both love muto it's very sweet Mm -hmm. um but it's one of those things where i'm like this could have been gayer (laughs) it's still pretty gay could have been polly it could have oh yeah it still is a little bit kind of you know except for Two of them are in a book, and one of them's a duck. <laughs> it's a little hard. There's a little, a little, little bit of distance there. Th- there is so much. Um, I-, I feel like at least sixty percent of the fan work is dedicated to writing sequels that makes duck into a human again. And like, I don't <laughs> blame anybody for that. Um, and I think the ver- the last line of the series leaves the door open to that. But it's mm-hmm. not some. It's not an additional form of closure that I have ever felt the need for. Yeah, um, when I reached out to you and talked about the ending, like, that was one of the first things that I came to was just that I think that was a good ending. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need more. I don't want more. Like, they've kind of accepted their true selves and, like, that duck is just, is, she's a duck and, like, that's okay. It's good to be a duck and that her and Fakir's relationship is still going to be strong in their own different way. Mm-hmm. She'd still dance when she wants to. Yeah. She, she's a duck who does a dance and, and she can still communicate through him with him when he writes and... And they have so many feelings, and he's going to stand by her for the rest of her little duck life. Yeah. Aww. What's the average life expectancy of a duck? 
don't don't do this that was the one thing i was like you know i'm not gonna even think about that they uh they can write stories he has magical fanfic power it's fine okay okay (laughs) i mean there is that sort of tension throughout the whole story right of drosselmeyer wants a tragedy and nobody else wants that and i think what I love so much about this last stretch of episodes is that writing a happy ending isn't isn't as simple as saying, and the good guys won and the bad guys lost and everyone lived happily ever after. Like, there are still rules to a satisfying happy ending and that's what Fakir kind of has to feel out. And I love that. Mm. Yeah, I love how... Like, kind of going back to your point about how him and Jasmine, like, had their whole discussion about, like, being responsible and writing about your feelings, but also, like, keeping in mind that other people are involved. Um, I, I think we're talking about that here soon, but it's just such a good point to see him, like, obviously keeping that in mind, like, even after that discussion. And, like, you can tell just by what they said at the end that he still is very into that and making sure that he's writing responsibly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this, the way this show dramatizes the process of writing is so obviously written by writers, writers who want to feel important about what they do, but I also, I also think it's real, like, it's a little bit back patty, um, but it's also real because, like, people talk all the time about how stories have changed their lives or saved their lives or helped them connect with other people, and it, it is something that you can use in a really powerfully good or a really powerfully bad sort of way, even when there's not, you know, magic reality warping powers involved. Um, this thing that I am ex- that I am happy to see the story interrogate, because I feel like a lot of people, there's this saying that sounds kind of shitty of like, readers don't know what they want, which is like, you know, um, Kind of, it can be super dismissive, um, I feel like, if you're not a very technically accomplished author. But there's also this matter of, you know, I think readers think they want 19 years later, but then they get that and it's not very satisfying. <laughs> and then you get yeah. the end of Harry Potter. Yep. And everything is wrapped up and everyone had 2.5 children with a picket fence and they all got their dream jobs and the world was fixed as long as we don't look at it too hard and it's fine. <laughs> but like a really good happy ending is about is about everyone getting what they worked for um and sacrifice being made in order to is in order to achieve an ending that feels right that feels earned like from the very beginning of the story we've known that that duck is a duck and she'll you know, she might fade away. She doesn't have to fade away, but she's also not not a duck. Like, that's part of who she is. It, it's sort of, even when she's pretending to be to be a human, she's all, we have so many comedy shenanigans of uh, her changing back. Like, it's it's threaded throughout. And also this idea of who is she doing things for? Is it because of what the story wants? Is it because of her feelings? Um, what are her strongest feelings about? And I feel like the answer she comes to is something that she struggled to toward for the entire show and chooses an ending, you know, that, that answers and is in line with 
with how her character has grown, which is so interesting with Drosselbeyer because he he he's complaining that she has had character growth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do like how the other characters went on to dress Tutu when they find out that she is a duck. Um, for instance, when I think it was the end of episode twenty-five when Muto um, receives the last piece of his heart and mm-hmm. Tutu turns back into a duck, and he doesn't say, "Oh, you were just a duck." He says, "Oh, I like something was so small and fragile could do all this," and not necessarily belittling her because she is a duck. And I think that was mm-hmm. like really nice how they. Oh, and on. he kneels and and, and yeah. thanks her and it's so good mm-hmm. i'm gonna cry yeah it was it was very touching to see like duck is just a duck but at the same time she she knows that she has that power at the, by the end to dance and that like final act of kind of i guess like rebellion against who she is but while staying mm-hmm. who she is like really felt meaningful yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I think that and her claim to her emotions and her connections um, was also really special, I think, just because um, she did that even while she was, like, human duck, but even as, you know, duck trying to save everyone else and through her dancing, she's like, we have our own emotions, like, we have, we're entitled to those and those are ours alone and no one can write that for you. Um, and it's kind of nice to think about, like, how that started. It was with her watching Muto and falling in love with him. And, like, that was her first strong emotion. And so, like, so much of this has been about her gathering Muto's heart charts to give him his emotion back. But I think a lot of the story was also her just, like, learning about her own emotions and growing those through her human life. And it was good to see that come full circle and, you know, the character development part of it. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a really good point. Like, the problem, the problem isn't that she's a duck. It's that she learned that she had the right to connect to others. And just because she's a duck, you know, whatever you want to to take that for, it doesn't mean she doesn't have the right to, to the beautiful art of dance or, or to have her own feelings or to be the hero of the story. And none of that requires her to not be a duck. Yeah. Would you say it's a little like, all through, throughout like the latter half of this series, I felt like there were more and more animals, like mm-hmm. making an appearance in in school. Like you have an alligator in the dance class, right? Mm-hmm. And I I started kind of feeling like, okay, duck just keeps saying, oh, I'm just a duck, but like, okay, well, does that really matter? And as far as the context goes, like, if she came out as a duck and just said, hey, I guess I'm a duck after all, like. I think the school will be just fine with accepting her, in my opinion. Aww. I I mean, I think her looking like a duck would be okay, but she, she can't communicate when she's a duck. And I feel like that's also, like, mm. a major problem for her, is she can't use human speech like the other human animals can. Mm-hmm. And that's, so so that's, what, like, there's that big moment where she realizes that she can use the mime of dance to communicate her feelings. In a strange way, she's kind of like um, Pluto, and it's like Pluto and Goofy. They're both dogs, but one of them <laughs> is still bit. just just a dog. Right. It's like there's oh, that weird that, ho- that weird conspiracy <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what's going on there? Okay. And then and then everybody goes goes back and 
Mr. Cat is not their teacher anymore. Mr. Like, Cat things worked some, out for him. Yeah, he had some good moments in in this stretch of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly like when he sat down with Duck at the fountain and talking about her motivation to like mm. pursue her dreams. And it's just like you've you've obviously like lost this. Like you need know, to just like think about it. And it's like why did that happen? And like you know, and obviously it turns into a thing about marriage, but. Um, the initial start of that conversation is just really sweet, and it was good to see him be like a teacher in some senses too. Even with their point shoes, he was like, "You can't, you can't have this yet. You like, you're not focused. You're not here." Mm-hmm. Point shoes, they'll fuck up your feet. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm happy about is that Mr. Cat finally fucked. <laughs> he did a lot apparently. He he did it good for him. He got cat married. which is is nice i love because there is that sadness of the epilogue of like this special thing that came together because of the story was happening of everybody being able to meet at the dance school and and to be able to talk and grow from one another has ended but that's okay because they've they've taken that experience with them even even the ones who maybe don't remember it anymore. And I feel like that's, it, it reminds me of the really good shoujo isekai where, where the protagonist goes home at the end, but she mm-hmm. carries what she's learned with her. And I, I feel like this epilogue is kind of the same. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, sorry, we all have to go home, but mm-hmm. the journey happened and that's what's important. You're, you're going to graduate from high school. You don't want to be in high school at, at forever, viewers. Yeah. <laughs> Leave high school. Please leave, but it will always be important and special in your heart if it didn't suck. But maybe there was something that didn't suck. Wait. As long as it didn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) There had to be something. Hmm. Anime Club was okay, I guess. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Anime Club is pretty good. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, yeah, high school isn't great for a lot of people. But, you know, the sentiment is there. Whatever was nice for you as a kid that you're afraid of growing up from and losing, like, that'll still, that'll still be with you as a grown up. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we we touched on in previous episodes that, that it's a, it's a special thing when a story knows how to end itself and to sort of call everything home at, at like that peak moment when it's most effective and I feel like that's why this this continues to be such an effective last last run is because it absolutely knows what it had to do and it's this is the part of the show that I think stays with people and it's so hard to convey the sappy emotional mess you're left as after it's over with somebody who wants to be who who wants to start it from the beginning and you don't want to ruin it for them but like the emotions. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh very satisfying. Yeah, I came out of it feeling like <laughs> this this did what it needed to do and it it answered a lot of questions too. So like one of the things I wasn't convinced on last episode was like Fakir and Duck. Because like, mm-hmm. oh, they're like a good like good pals and stuff. Um but they're sort of little bubbling up, like, just really took off in this last stretch. Like, I think it was episode 22, especially where I was just like, yes. <laughs> I think just, like, they just do such a good job of, like, making their friendship something 
really, really special and different and like showing how that evolves and how they depend on each other to, you know, join up and save Muto because like that's what matters to them so much mm-hmm. um, because they both love him so much and they both want to take care of him and then they want to take care of each other and it's really sweet. And and I think it's really hard to do a relationship at like that in the span of time. And I think they bubble it up such a good, good, good way. Um, yeah, it- I rarely get like I rarely get fussed about um, about you know uh, boy girl relationships uh, in in anime in particular because I feel like a lot of shows take perfunctory shortcuts because yes. it's so baked in, but this this show is so dedicated to those two in particular and like showing the kind of very very slow evolution of why they care about each other and why they rely on each other and and you know those back-to-back episodes where uh you know she helps him get out of the tree and then he helps her get out of the clock and it those making sure there's this this sense of equivalence and i'm you know there's there's that that moment as these episodes start where it's like oh no is fakir gonna be the protagonist now and and duck is going to be relegated to being the supportive girlfriend but it's but but it's still very much about her struggle and the fact that she's afraid she doesn't have a role in the story anymore Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. her taking back what she can do actively which is which is nice and i i think i think the story doesn't take what they have for granted because these are such young characters and because you know strong feelings of affection of of love or friendship or or familial bonds are all kind of still knotted together and puberty is starting and you don't know what you feel about anything but you know you care about this person a lot and and i feel like it captures that well yeah um, I also did want to point out that when they were in the Lake of Despair and they dance, Duck does point as she Duck. She does. As, mm-hmm. as Duck, she does. Cool. They, they do a pot of do it. It's really good. Oh. <sighs> yeah. It's really beautiful. I'm fine. <laughs> I am secretly a giant ball of sap and emotions. My, uh... My cool exterior of hating everything has been broken. <laughs> the secret's out. <laughs> the evil is defeated. <laughs> you know, going back to what you were saying about how, mm. you know, Duck wasn't relegated to being a supporting, supportive girlfriend. Like, tell, tell me if I'm wrong, but I felt like mm. she was pushing Fakir right, like, how she was mm-hmm. acting at the end, yeah. right? So I think, like... Mm-hmm. In contrast, I think it just really shows how much power she has or how much, you know, center stage she remains to be that powerful to control somebody who should be able to control the story. Yeah, he becomes like the supportive conduit through which she can act. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot, there's all that dialogue about how he can only write a story when it's it's about her, you know, these these two characters who don't really have explicit roles but yeah it's it's all through her power and her determination to do something that that he's able to act at all yeah i did like that uh or that i was interesting that they never explicitly say that the big thing that he was lacking essentially when he couldn't write was a subject like he knows what he needs to do and what the outcome has to be in order to like you know give everyone their happy ending um and i think 
it's it's kind of cool to see like duck force yourself into that role and she's like i am your subject right about me here are my feelings go <laughs> so that's how she got yeah. her, out of drosselmeyer's place and so good it's it's so good oh yeah i think that's that ends up being the major difference between fakir and and drosselmeyer is that they both you know as as soon as fakir gets in touch with the magic weed tree he (laughs) understands how stories work and like everything's connected man and then he takes another hit this precious (laughs) child (laughs) um So, but yeah. what? <laughs> but but what keeps him from becoming Drosselmeyer is the fact that he cares so deeply about what happens to the characters, um, in, in a way that, and, and does doesn't see them as as puppets. Yeah, and I think that's such a, just thinking about it too. In that episode, you know, when she's or when Duck is kind of being put through the rinse and wash of being a puppet and like being told that she has like no agency and stuff, and then her essentially like, saying no and just like reaching out directly to fakir and like you know admitting all her emotions and like that reaching him um it's just so powerful and then also reminds me so i'm reading this book um about writing it's called bird by bird and there's like a really great chapter about like listening to your characters and like how that is so important because if you don't listen to them if you don't get to know them that you will never write them well like their endings are just going to be jumbled mess like you know the story that never really ends um, but if you're listening to them and you're writing to, you know, like what makes most sense to them, then you'll have a good, a better story probably. That's so. Anne Patchett's book, isn't it? Uh, I, I believe so. Yeah, I read a lot of her in college. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I have definitely seen the other side of how listening to your characters can go really, really badly because I read a lot of Laurel K. Hamilton as a teenager who got a, a, an author who got so sad that she killed off a character in her first book of her like 20 book series that she vowed never to do it again. And that was not good for her book series. Let me tell you. Um, I, I feel like there is a balance, but in, but I do, I do like that theory of like, you, you know, listening to your characters doesn't mean no sacrifices, but it does mean like you have to care. You have to be invested in what happens to them. You can't just be throwing them into the into the grinder. Speaking of Game of Thrones that we were talking about before we recorded. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you treat them like tools and toys and that's how they're going to come off as and they won't feel genuine or real or, you know, have good endings. But I mean, Joffrey Smile was mm. never after a good ending, but, you know. Uh, and Bird by Bird was done by Anne Lamott. So the other ah. Anne. Yeah, close. The other Anne. One of them. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's this it, it's amazing how much of this stretch of episodes is about the craft of writing and these these big old story nerds just just getting that out uh you know michiko yokote i i believe is um i believe is her name the the, the shirobako lady she is she is so sharp at character beats mm-hmm. um. and uh yeah this this is just you know to bring it back around to geeking out in the first episode this is just such a stellar team um of of anime big names who have all made really impressive shows before and since this who clearly have a lot of thoughts about what it means to make a show that is memorable and meaningful to people and they just kind of geek out about it for a couple episodes yeah i love it (laughs) like it's 
That's right. It's like, I love it. Tell me more stories. <laughs> Tell me how we had to fix them because people were irresponsible. <laughs> it always surprises me how... Because... Uh... It always surprises me how much the show makes me not hate Uzura again by the end. Because, God, she's annoying in the last stretch of episodes. Yeah. I feel she yeah. kind of cooled off, but... Yeah, I'll be it's okay. less... It's less shenanigan-y. When, like, she's she's still precious this, t- this <laughs> run around, but in a more useful way, where also there is less of her. And I... I like the scene between her and Adel. I think it's really sweet. Yeah. Well, Adel's just the best, though. And I was like, you she kept her around, but I understand. <laughs> I love how that show does this of like, I wish you'd done this, but I understand why you didn't. Because yeah. it was good, though. Yeah, this her is what I actually wanted. Her sacrifice is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did feel a little bad when Uzra was crying. Like, just a tiny bit. It's like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sad she's gonna be a duck too, but it's okay. I think that's... I think this show is mostly very good at not being emotionally manipulative and that's why I have been able to watch it multiple times and still cry at it. That seems a little bit transparent. Yeah. I don't know, we made a sad child sad. Cry, yeah. audience, cry. And her tears are tapping the drum. <laughs> That one was just like, oh, yeah, that is a little sad, but you're you're gonna get over it. Go go away. <laughs> Are you ever gonna grow up? Are you gonna be like this forever? Has has Fakir been saddled with an eternal three year old? Has his father cursed him this way? <laughs> Maybe think... the one time where you use your writing abilities for <laughs> self gain. <laughs> oh no, I've watched anime. That doesn't end well. <laughs> oh, she walks away. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She goes. She walks away with Russell Meyer. Which is also surprisingly nice. <laughs> but also that means that she's out there somewhere with Drosselmeyer. <laughs> the two the two hellions of the story are out there. <laughs> Just the bringers of chaos coming into your story. Every time an anime is bad. They yeah. were there. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Cracked it. You're behind the scenes. If you ever hear a light tapping. You'll know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse. <laughs> the ending of Banana Fish, Drosselmeyer. Oh. <laughs> I, I know that predates this. Events occur in the order in which I perceive them. <laughs> <sighs> it all makes sense. It, it is kind of a bold move that Drosselmeyer essentially gets away without punishment at the end. I mean, he's dead, but, like... He's just a, mm-hmm. a ghost asshole now. Like, mm-hmm. He's haunting stuff. So. Yeah, he, he is effectively rendered harmless, and he doesn't get what he wants, but nothing super bad happens to him either. And I'm always surprised how much I'm not bothered by it, because normally I hate that shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I wanted to see his comeuppance a little bit more, and that's partly why I was like, I knew it, Bri, because I was like, Oh, I knew it. Drosselmeyer's the real bad guy. Like, that's what I thought. And Fakir's gonna have to beat him up. No. <laughs> no. Never mind. Too early to come make that call. So he did I'm... get saddled with Uzuro, so that's a, a little bit of a punishment, but... <laughs> I mean, I guess if I put on my meta hat, 
like the the single worst thing you can do to an author is consign them to historical oblivion and all of Drosselmeyer's stories have been taken out of the libraries and had their endings ruined and now he can't control the town anymore so everyone is destined to forget who he was because Prince and the Raven is over now so I guess that's effectively the worst thing you could do to him but he doesn't seem fussed about it um but so but like so like yeah i can i can meta wank it that way but also it would have been nice if he'd gotten a little bit of face punching yeah he deserved someone punch him in the face at least punchable face he has a just, just it's not... an extremely extremely punchable face that's how smile. Did, but, but by the way how did you two feel about the plot brigade of axemen mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he's like, like old the bookmen yeah they make me laugh every time it's like, like this oh please go ahead i was like okay like that that came out of nowhere like uh-huh. oh the- uh, okay oh and he has an axe mm. and that's kind of metal me. oh it's in tight <laughs> thank you it's like, like that's-, that's that's the element to the story that i feel like wasn't really foreshadowed at all it's just oh shit we need an extra element to crank down on the conflict here Fuck. Yeah, like, Fakir needs his own adversary when he's safe and writing somewhere. It's like, throw a man with an axe at him. It's fine. Seems fine. I feel <laughs> like that should have been Drosselmeyer, right? Like, he should have been duking it out. I would suggest, uh, or suggest, I would suspect that there was probably a draft where that happened, and then they realized, nah, we've established too hard that he can't have, like, physical impact on reality. It's it's all through his words, so as much as we all want to put that in there, let's put that draft aside. Yeah. I hope that draft is out there, though. I also feel I, like that would take away from Tutu a bit as well. Yeah. I, I will say I do really appreciate, though, um, like... Altor going and like tackling him out of the out the door and going like, is you know you would expect anyone to say like run Fakir it's like no right Fakir, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Altor does warm my heart a little bit in that last episode where he's he's using a book as a shield and being very brave. He's trying. His you best. tried. Yeah. And it's such a 13-year-old thing to say, like, oh my god, this really pretty girl talked to me. I'm definitely in love with her, and these feelings are real. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care because Rue needed to hear that, that, that she was lovable by somebody who is not the special prince who can love anybody. But also, like, dude, you're a child. Yeah. You're all children. Oh, um, <laughs> that brings up a good point, that we didn't really talk about the needing to be loved versus loving other people. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's probably should talk about that. That's a, that's a pretty important theme to the story. It it's such a shoujo thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's especially interesting when you said like that Muto's like the prince who loves everyone and so like him focusing his love on like one person is obviously very special. Um mm. But I do like that, you know, the whole breaking his spell thing was Rue coming out and saying, you know, how much he loves him. Uh, whereas I I guess I hadn't really noticed the whole time that she was just asking for people to say that they loved her and, like, asking mm-hmm. for love. And, like, even Evil Muto, Birdman, was just like, <laughs> oh, love me. Someone dance with me. Also, love me. And it's just like, okay. All right, guy. <laughs> um, and so yeah. it was, like, a nice point of, like, 
yes, being loved is really valuable and important and we crave it, but obviously loving someone else is like very powerful too and important. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's so good. Cause like it's, everybody wants to be loved, but to love somebody else, it, it is so scary. <laughs> it's like this, this inherent paradox that I, I think everybody faces up against, whether you're, you know, a small child or, or very old. And it's, it gets to the purity of that emotion so hard and that whole scene. And then I, I think, nope, I'm not going, I'm not going to gripe about Evangelion again. (laughs) A show that I love, but never actually gets its character to realize that there is a difference between wanting to be loved and the terror of, of putting yourself out there and loving other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, I, I feel like that's such a good, a good reveal of of a thing that the story totally told you, but you didn't necessarily look at it because it's it's using such the expected language of romance that that she never confessed her own feelings. It's, and it it does play that neat trick where it puts so much effort on duck confessing that you don't think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's a neat slate of hand. And it and it was nice, especially to see her go on and tell duck that she loved her. That was yeah, so sweet. They care about each other so much. Yeah. It's like, I love this. you, Duck. I was like, oh. Now you understand. You understand what I meant four episodes ago when I said I ship all of the main characters and yeah. they're very good children. It's hard not to. Uh-huh. Just... Muto, I feel bad. It's like, Muto's just somewhere in there. <laughs> Muto <laughs> exists. He's, he's fine. He could maybe fit in, but also, like, if he's not there, it's also fine. It's also fine. <laughs> It's like those like, dreams that a duck had about everybody. Just replace Muto with her, and then it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> We're all dancing together. It's good time. Yay! Yeah, like there's there's not really anything wrong with Muto, and it's not like he doesn't have an arc because he has his Raven bloodship. But he's also like he hasn't. He's such a passive character for yeah. so much effect of the story effectively. Because he's, you know, evil Muto, which is another, which is not the responsibility of his own actions, except that maybe it is. I feel like they could have hit on that a little bit longer, that, like, even when you're depressed or traumatized or something, like, even if it doesn't feel like you, you, you still did that. The the effect is that you still hurt the people you loved. Mm-hmm. And they almost get there, but I think they could have hammered that a little harder. But, mm-hmm. but, like, the effect is I think you don't appreciate his struggle as much as you do with the other three. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely confirming your point, but, like, he's essentially a puppet the whole time, and then only in these last, like, two episodes is he really him, so. Also, Siegfried is a stupid name. Yep. <laughs> Go back to your book, Siegfried. <laughs> Maybe Drosselmeyer isn't that great of an author after. <laughs> I, was, I saw somebody on Tumblr tag, tar, tag art of Muto as Siegfried, and I'm like, who uses that? I'm so glad that I didn't look this this anime up at all before I started watching, because as soon as I finished, of course, I looked it up, and it's like, just so many spoilers and, like, top results. It's like, all right, good thing I, I waited. <laughs> yeah. So much fan art. Yeah. Yeah, it is, um, it is definitely one of the, like, like I said, the ending leaves such leaves such a potent mark on you that everybody wants to talk about that immediately. So it is a good show to go into knowing as little about as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Glad you did. 
Oh, also, I would like to mention that the Shards were disgusted with Muto when he was a raven. I really appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was nice. That was a good intervention. Mm-hmm. You're like, uh, we have to go back to that? <laughs> God, I can't believe we turned into a furry. Okay, well. <laughs> Is it still a furry when it's a bird? A feathery? I, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. I'm just a cat. <laughs> true i wouldn't ask cats to know about birds eat them <laughs> anyway <laughs> well i i mean i guess we've kind of been doing it all along but how are how are you all feeling about uh the series you know overall now that you've you've seen it all like what are your thoughts about the whole thing it grows on that's broad <laughs> I, it, it just grows what right like I enjoyed the first episodes like coming into this. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, just magical girl anime kind of, you know, building of the week stuff. And I was enjoying that. But as you keep watching, it just continues to grow into like a much more impactful, passionate story. And that's good too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it, it, It takes its time and it, it it blossoms it does and it's such good it's and it's a and everyone's power is through communicating their feelings and that's how they change the world and it's really wow imagine that (laughs) communicating your feelings it's the most shoujo thing i've ever seen it's the distilled essence of shoujo yeah like it, it really does make for a good gateway series too like if you want to to show somebody why do people like shoujo anime is because this mm-hmm. um coming into this i didn't expect it to be so heavily embedded in fantasy like i thought it was mm. more like theatrical and focused on ballet as like a thing because I, I didn't know anything about it really except for just i had seen some art of it um mm-hmm. i didn't know duck was a duck i didn't know that they were trying to like essentially get out of a story and I, I do really love how this continued to evolve and, like, kind of answered a lot of my questions or, like, problems with it. Whenever I had something come up, I was like, oh, Duck's kind of getting pushed to the side. That really sucks. And they're like, mm-hmm. ah, but we are addressing that right now. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Fakir and Duck, I see you guys are pushing them together, but I'm not super convinced. They're like, oh, wait a second. Just just give us a minute. And they're like, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. That's kind of just how everything kind of fell into place for me. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm just I'm very happy I got around to watching it with you two and that we got to discuss it and I will definitely buy it on Blu-ray as soon as that sale goes up on Sentai yay it's so so good I I mean I I hope that nobody has made it through listening to all of these podcasts without having watched it because like I I don't think this is a series that diminishes in entertainment value if you know how it ends but it's fun to be surprised but like Please, please go watch Tutu and and tell other people you know to watch Tutu, and and buy it and have feelings about it. Yeah. Oh, I did yeah. check out the Amazon version. Oh yeah. And I think the only big change is that they changed the logo, so it's not in Japanese. It just has ah. Princess Tutu, um, and then like whatever arc it is. Okay, so that probably is the um the home video release that they have on Amazon then. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't go back to check and see if all that German was translated, 
but I probably should. Uh, okay. Well, that's the first time the words, if you want to watch this anime on streaming, maybe watch it on Amazon, have come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's a very rare thing to do. Uh-huh. Just, just learn still... German. Just learn German. Yeah, just learn some German. That's Not good. That hard. Yeah, no, <laughs> no worries. Only a prerequisite. I mean, Okay, German isn't actually that hard. It's it's also its con- conjugations are very simple, and also they don't invent new words. They just stack old words on top of each other. It's sort of an endearing language. Oh, it's very silly. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with anything. Um, yeah. So I I want to thank you 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 ladies one more time for for doing this and thank. Thank you to everyone who has come along on this journey. Um, like I said, starting out, this this show is very special to me, um, and I think it is one of one of the anime that will still be really good. In you know, it, it's almost twenty. It's fifteen years old, a little bit more. I think it'll still be good in twenty years. Um, there's a really special enduring quality about it and I hope that you will give it a chance and then maybe it will lead you to more shoujo um, and other shows about about good girls changing the world with their feelings which is a nice thing yeah and I'm going to wrap us up before I cry again <laughs> I mean you know if I can just get a quick word in edgewise I guess um I'm not typically a shoujo person at all right like you know what I mm-hmm. want which is all the wor- worst shows every season um, and we support you <laughs> someone has but, to do it but like I still had fun with this show and it, I, I can recognize a timeless a timelessness um, when I see it this this show isn't going to get old it's kind of stuck in that sweet spot of kind of modern but you know it's like a fantasy setting that yeah it has that same kind of timelessness that like castle of cagliostro has yeah you can still watch it's from the 70s exactly Mm -hmm. yeah 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 uh i'm so glad uh yeah i should have asked before i did the spiel if if you two had any final words you wanted to add go watch it if you haven't somehow that's it yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay um well Thank you, AnnaFam, for joining us on another watch-along. If you liked this episode, you can check out more from us by uh, looking at the website or searching for Chatty AF on SoundCloud. If you really liked this, you can toss us a dollar or more on Patreon. Uh, those contributions go a long way towards the daily content you see every day on the site. I'm creating new content on the page and in your eardrums at www.animefeminist.com. You can also find us on social media. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Anime Fem. You can find us on Tumblr at Anime Feminist or on Twitter at Anime Feminist. And that Patreon address, one more time, is patreon.com slash Anime Feminist. So thanks to all of you. And remember... Do your best, and your feelings will reach other people. 